And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. I haven't been doing this for several weeks now. First episode in a very long time. But listen, we're coming back. We got we got somebody good. We got somebody great talking to a very good comedian, Alyssa Limpress. I thought there was an A in that last name. There's not. Alyssa Limpress, uh, we'll start off this episode with um, uh, a, a conversation with her. I uh, recorded this a couple of weeks ago, and now I can finally put it out. She has a new special on Peacock called No Bad Days, where she covers the uh, discovery of her father's uh, cancer. I believe it was cancer. And then his eventual passing, and then uh, the, dealing with it and leading everything leading up to it. It's uh, a wonderful special. It's uh, truly, truly great, and uh, just heartbreaking and, and sad and devastating, but funny and uh, very, very clean. And not like clean like there's no curse words, but clean as in uh, it, it's it's a very produced production in which you know there's there's cameras everywhere, lots of uh, gorilla nature stuff, and uh, and then you know halfway through the special is when the death happens and uh, it's a very sad intense moment and you just have to deal with it. I, I think if you have Peacock, definitely check it out. Also, Peacock's free, so I don't know if it's on the paid version. <laughs> uh, I, I I have currently have Peacock for for this uh, month just to get through some things. And, uh, and it's sitting and it's sitting, I've seen, I've seen the special already, but I'm so tempted to go back and watch it again. Alyssa is a very, uh, interesting person. She's very good to talk to. She's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, empathetic. And you can, you can, you can empathize with her. She can empathize with you. She, she understands how to give if it's more like you know what it is it's a special but it's also kind of a, a one person show and in, in the way it's produced and you know what i just uh, i can't say enough about this listen if you want to check it out Alyssa Limpress over there no bad days on peacock you can also follow Alyssa on oh, i promise i promise i'm i'm still good at this Alyssa Limp instagram alissalimpress.com and uh, twitter Alyssa Limp Basically, just type in Alyssa and then L-I-M-P. And you'll pretty much find her anywhere. She's even on YouTube. Apparently, I've uh, some of these links are purple. <laughs> and I've clicked on them. She even, she, you can even like her on Facebook. And it even seems she might be on LinkedIn. <laughs> so, if that is your bag... I mean, I can't tell you how many... Uh, uh, people that are in the industry that I follow on uh, LinkedIn... It's cool. It's cool to be like, hey, these people are working people too. No Bad Days, Peacock, Alyssa Limpress. Check it out there on Peacock. Okay. At the end of this, we're going to transition. If you're watching the video, you can go check out this interview uh, in a breakout on YouTube.com slash C Comedy, which you're probably already on right now. And if you're also listening to this uh, audio version, we'll go to the interview. So that's how things work. Check out the interviews. YouTube.com slash comedy for the video version of this. And uh, we'll come back in a hot second. Go on a break. Okay, Alyssa, how's it going? Hi, Chad. Good, how are you? 
I'm doing well. I see your backdrop there is uh, the stage that you performed on and that, yes. that has so many good memories. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For me, it's it's a green. Yeah, for me, it's green. But for yes, uh, I see it in the corner there. And it reminds me of being back in New York. Uh, it's green. I thought that was real. The show's tonight. Yeah, I'm doing it again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you know, it's a it's a show that can be done uh, many times. You know, it, it felt kind of it, not kind of it felt very intimate, especially not just the subject matter, but just the way you, you told the story. So uh, I give you kudos for that, really. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and it is a, it's true. It is an intimate show and it is really dependent on the audience. So I do feel even though I've done it so many times, it changed every time, depending on how the audience was feeling or receptive to it or whatnot. Yeah. Well, how'd you approach writing it? Well, it kind of happened in two chapters. Um, I mean, so yeah, I went home to live with my dad and then came back after he passed away. I was living in New York City and just was doing comedy, but felt like I couldn't talk about anything else because I had witnessed this crazy thing and horrible thing. Right. So it's weird because I don't remember even writing. It was more just like, I have to like say all this stuff. This is, these are feelings that I have that are very clear to me that I have to say. And then I honed jokes within it. So I think the writing process for this was very much like, I have to say these things. I have to get this stuff off my chest. And then how do I make it funny? The making it funny. Okay. I can figure out how to do that or add jokes or work out bits but the origin was like something I had to say um, yeah and you know I think it's very smart that you don't have to even when there are parts where there were jokes and there are parts where there weren't you didn't have to you didn't feel like there was a need to force something in there especially uh, towards the middle where you get to the actual death part and and you and there's like this well of emotion that's just mm -hmm pouring out over the audience, everybody's deathly silent. And then you walk down to the middle of the, the auditorium and there's an empty seat and then you have that interaction. And that kind of just like breaks all of that tension. Uh, you know, not, not, none of that felt forced. And I think that's, that's good and admirable, uh, especially now knowing the way that you approached writing it. Thanks, yeah, that was always really important to me was if I want to say something serious, I can just say it. It doesn't have to end in a joke. And if I want to do a joke, I can do a joke and they can just exist next to each other versus it being that every serious thing I said had to turn into a joke. Like I, I feel it's yeah representative of grief and uh, death is that like happiness and sadness and, and jokes and pain are, are next to each other um, all the time. And so I wanted the show to give you that same sensation. Yeah. And I also appreciate how it, this special just started. The show just began and you, and the reason for everybody being there was introduced basically within that first minute. There wasn't any futzing around or anything. And uh, it's, you know, it reminds me of uh, what the constitution means to me, that, uh, that, that show. And uh, I think uh, a lot of people, when that show first started, they went in thinking so, something totally different, but then as it got, as it grew in popularity, people knew what they were getting into. And that's what something uh, no bad days can come to is, is be kind of reminiscent of that and uh, while, while living on its own in a completely different subject matter. Yeah, I, I have always started with a joke very, it's basically, a, I've always started, it's changed a bit, but it's always been a one-liner right away. And I think it's important um, to immediately let the audience know like, hey, here's what happened and we're gonna be okay laughing at it. And that like, that was always very helpful for me to start the show right at the top with that. Um, uh, 
yeah, that that piece. And then similarly going into the audience after that soft moment was always very important to me. Um, both both being like, I'm still with, like, I'm with you in both of the, like for the first one, I'm with you. We're, I'm going to, I got you. We're going to laugh and we're going to talk about hard things and it's going to be okay. And then with that running moment into the audience, it's the same thing of like, Hey, I'm still here. We're still here. We're in this together. I know I just brought you there, but I'm here with you and we're, we're doing it together. We can come back now together. Yeah. And you know, and also I, I just thought your, the writing obviously does the bulk of the work as it should. Uh, but your personality really carries it along. I mean, if you if you were a completely different uh, comedic personality, you know, delivering these jokes and delivering the story as somebody who was uh, I, I don't know dour the entire time or deadpan, then it just it wouldn't kind of work, or 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 it rather just be a complete sad tale the entire time. Right. Whereas you put some upbeat, you put some energy into it. You ran around that giant stage. It was it it, it all made sense in the end. Oh, cool. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's my dad. That's my dad pouring through. And that's his messaging too. It's just like he's, he was just a, a really fun, optimistic guy who made the best of any bad situation and lit up a room. And he, it was important to him that, that, that each day had something in it that was good. And he maintained that, as you know, through his death. And so for me, I, I owed it to him to do that in the show as well. Um, Perhaps an earlier version of me would have been more dour. Perhaps if I had done this show before my dad died in some weird reality, uh, I would have been more dour. But I think his death did push me to to continue to find optimism and, and cheeriness within dark times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you, I, hearing that your your dad optimistic optimistic person, great. I love that. But also hearing uh, we we're kind of related in the sense that I also got a phone call that my my dad was dying. And, uh, and that was just like, like, I, like, I remember I was at work and I got up and there was like construction going on at our, uh, at, at the news channel I used to work at. And I, and I went to this room that they were working on and I was, and I, there were these guys and I was just like, can I borrow this to talk on the phone? And they were like, yeah. And then I had like a 40 minute conversation with my mom, my grandma, and my aunt, just all talking to the doctor who was explaining this for the fifth time, what's happening. And so, um, but but you know I just I just think a phone call seems Ooh. so impersonal, but also you know the the best thing at any at, at that moment for anybody right. in our situations who have to you know deal with getting that type of news and then going well the decision is you know we have to drive or fly you know drive five hours or fly you know uh, six hours just to go and see these people one last time before uh, they kick the bucket. And, uh, and that, I think, you know, you can relate to the audience on that type of level when you're, when, as a way of connection, as opposed like, yeah, everybody knows someone who's died, but some, but actually having to take action after the fact, right. that's a whole different thing. It's a whole, yeah, it's, oh, I am so sorry to hear that. And, and so did you go home right after? No, uh, so I think he, he passed away that phone, like that night. I think like they they pulled the plug and he passed away that night. And then like I woke up, I got like a text <laughs> that just said, you know, your dad's dead. And then ah! uh, yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah, phone calls in personal. What's the worst next thing? Text. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, it's just uh, it's that I am so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. And I and I'm sorry for your loss as well. And, uh, but you know, you just you deal with it and you roll with it. And then like and you know, as you did. You put, you put it into a way that you can understand it, which is uh, doing a comedic take. 
totally, totally. Yeah. And that the whole phone thing, it's an interesting point. It's like, it is also very death and grief. It's like your normal day is happening. And then this thing that normally is just your phone, like delivers this message that changes your whole life. And then now you're stuck with your whole reality is the same because it's on the phone. Yeah. You go back to your job, the construction workers are there. It's all the exact same, but this fundamental tectonic shift has just happened. And then you have to just carry that. And that's heavy. It's a heavy thing to carry while you continue normal life. And so I think talking about it and sharing it with audiences and letting audiences share with me has been such a gift because it's heavy and we're all carrying it. And so to be able to lighten it up a little and connect with someone on it, it's it's nice. Yeah. Now, had had you always been that open on stage? No, not at all. I would talk about, I did like a lot of misdirects and I talked about, mm -hmm. I guess I talked about boys, but it wasn't even, it was like Tinder. I talked to, I had a lot of Tinder jokes, I remember. Um, and yeah, I, I, no, I, I was not open on stage yet because I was just trying to be funny at that point. I, I didn't have much to say. And then this was like, mm -hmm. I have, I have to, I have to say this. I have to talk about this. Um, so it, and now I am very personal in my comedy and my art. So it, it pushed me there. That, yeah. And I think that's a, a good change in the, in, in that direction for, for somebody, you know, Definitely. it's sad that it had to come that way, but it's right. a, it's a very good um, um, push for you to, in order to find your voice on stage. And now you're, and now you can take that into the other the other parts of uh, uh, the entertainment world, whether it be right. in your acting career or if you uh, go and on stage or if you continue doing shows like this, uh, totally. which which can be a profitable thing, you know, comics like Mike Birbiglia, he barely, he's not yep. even I wouldn't say stand up, he's more of a storyteller right. who's funny. So yes. uh, yeah, you you can continue doing this, and I think it's a, a very good and fun and interesting way to uh, do comedy differently. Totally. No. And it feel, I feel definitely in terms of live comedy that this will be the way I do it is like starting at the core. What is it that I want to say? And then how do I make it funny versus like, what do I think is, is funny? Um, and yeah, I agree in TV and art. I'm, I'm, I, I feel it very strongly as I continue with TV and movie projects. I'm in this show Flatbush Misdemeanors right now on Showtime. And that's a show that really deals with, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like super deals with heavy topics, but they do it in such a funny, light way. And I play, you know, an addict in it. And I, I'm, I felt very like, oh, I'm grateful for this experience to have shown me vulnerability on stage because that does, it. it's the same thing. Just, uh, yeah, with someone behind a camera or in front of a camera, yeah. And you know, I also appreciate the, the the producing behind it all, where it's 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 like when you lay down on stage, and I and we saw that top down view that just opened up the entire world of this of this comedic, you know, this the story moment. Like it, like at no point did I ever think, oh, we're gonna see this woman lying in the middle of the stage. I think, I don't, I don't know if you had a uh, tape on the ground to show you where you should lie, but like direct middle of the stage, making eye contact with the camera, slow counting and tears welling up in her eyes. Uh, that is, and then, and then also like seeing like a, a gorilla camera shot on the side of the stage with you laying down and then uh, uh. somebody in the crowd. Like it's just, it's wonderful producing because, uh, and I can take that because I, you know, I work as a producer, so I can take, you know, that into consideration and see totally. that everything is coming together and and it really helps elevate the story to new heights 
Oh, thanks. I really, really appreciate that. And that's, that's how I feel too. And uh, yeah, we had an all-female EP team uh, and my, I was directed by Lance Banks, who was just phenomenal. And Christine Ng was our DP and they just did all those shots. I agree that that moving shot where I was, it was catch because I moved so much that I think it helped it feel really fluid and it helped it capture the feeling you get when you watch me live. And that, that's my favorite shot of the special, the above shot. That's my favorite. That's my favorite shot. Yeah. You know, if I was, if I was selling uh, Blu-rays, if physical media was still a part of our world, uh, that's what I would put on the cover of the Blu-ray or the cover of the poster. And just like that. Totally. Shot totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, Blu-rays. Yeah. They came and left. They came and left. They, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. I've got some uh, over there and, uh, you know, they're, they're very sad. I don't use them that often because streaming exists. But. I know they really came out right before streaming. Like DVDs were already on the way out. And they were like, what about us? And it's like, we don't know. We it's time. Yeah. It's done. It's done. You missed it. You're, you're a decade too late. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Cause the look and feel, obviously I was doing it in comedy clubs, like with like a light switch on and off and someone in the tech booth doing some music. So, oh, and my friend, Matt Takaro composed that song, that beautiful song when oh, I wow. And his mom died of the same thing my dad died of. And so to have him be able to write that song and and compose it for this special, that always felt really nice too. Um, yeah. And I want to end on this. Uh, how did you all go about producing? You know, you just said as going from comedy club to comedy club and now in this final stage, you're yeah. turning lights off and people working in the backgrounds. But what was your take on uh, producing it from the comedic level um, uh, for, for you? Well, yeah, so I was I was an EP as well as doing the comedy of it. So I think it was a it was an exciting challenge where for the first time I was making creative decisions for my set and my show while also weighing into all of the decisions for lighting and set design and shots and camera angles. Um so it was it was exciting. Uh and also I feel I just had a really awesome team. And so it's like, I had visions of things, but then I had pros who knew 10 times better how to execute and do it. And so I feel lucky that I was just equipped with such a great team. Shannon Shell at Art and Industry, Jane Church Cooper, me, we're all EPs. And then, yeah, Alan Edelman, those lights. I mean, those lights when I, cause I, cause I couldn't really see it. And so then when I watched it the first time I emailed him right away and Todd Ivins with the set, I was like, you guys blew it out of the park. Cause you know, you see some shots, but you don't ever see the full, because you only get one day to rehearse and shoot. So it all happens very right. fast. So I had to just trust all of these people. And I did, and they all just totally knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And so did you. So don't, don't, don't take that for Thank granted. you very much. Thank Alexa, you. I appreciate, I appreciate the time with you. Uh, this has been great. And uh, thank you so much and great job on the special. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Great chatting with you. Bye. And we're back. If you, <laughs> I'm just gonna. Usually, if uh, usually I I include like a going to break banner, but I think it'd be very funny if I just didn't include a going to break banner. You just saw me look off to the side of the screen to look off to the to the zoom to the zoom recorder and then look back at the camera for for three seconds for truly just like five three to five seconds of me doing this listen i was gone for a little bit not gone as in i went places i didn't do anything i just haven't done this show in a long time i've done news time a long time but 
That doesn't mean I have not been writing news times. In fact, I have seven written news times I need to shoot. I have about six that I need to put out. It's been it's been a minute since I've put anything out. Uh, mostly because uh, no one pays you for this, and when you got a job, you do you gotta something's gotta fall, you know. And uh, so what have, what have I been doing in my time off from not doing the show and not doing news time? Well, besides working, uh, I got uh, uh, been working out. <laughs> You know, when I meet people for the first time, they go, what do you do? I was like, I just watch TV, I work out, and that's it. <laughs> I don't do much. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all the things I've been doing. Hanging out with Nova. She, this morning, I was uh, I was sleeping as one does. Uh, and I wake up during the week at 4 a.m. so I can go to the gym uh, around 4.30. And um, I wake up, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, as usual. And uh, I'm in the bathroom, you know, put on my contacts, brush my teeth, blah, blah, blah. Uh, also, brush your teeth when you leave. When, if it's in the morning, if you, if you wake up, go brush your teeth. You don't come to the gym with stinky breath because I'm going to know. Anyway, I, uh, I, I wake up, I do all my stuff, and Nova is screaming her head off. Just yelling. Just, just, row, row. I'm just like, dude, you got to chill out. What's going on here? She did it last night too, and then last week she was just just very solemn, and this week she's just screaming her head off. Cats, what are you gonna do? That'd be a good episode title, but this title's Alyssa Limpers. All right, um, so let's do this. So I did. So there were there there were I hate starting sentences. So there were points where I thought I was gonna sit down and do the constitutionals at least. Uh, which means that there are, I have uh, about 15 stories <laughs> just saved up. What I want to do for the next couple of minutes is go line by line by each one of these stories and and just and just, just talk about them, just give them like a one minute thing. And in fact, and one minute thing each probably. And in fact, I'm just going to pull up my clock, my stopwatch on my phone. And we're going to do this. All right, ready? Oh, Jesus Christ in heaven. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. The, these, are, these are stories from literally weeks ago. And I just want to talk about them for one minute each. All right, here we go. The Obamas leave Spotify for Audible. Obamas uh, were are one of the biggest acquisitions that Spotify had. And uh, I'd say one of the biggest media acquisitions in the, the, for the past couple of years. And because uh, everybody wants to work with the Obamas, but they left Spotify for uh, Audible. Now, this is a big move because I don't know if they made any type of noise when Joe Rogan said all, all that stuff he said you know, uh, earlier this year or was it late last year? It doesn't really matter. But I do believe that that, that was definitely a part of it. Uh, the, the Obamas, I don't know if this is going to uh, put an impact, a damper on their podcasting ambitions. Uh, I do think Spotify is a big platform for them, but Audible, I don't know. That kind of gate keeps you to one to one thing. Uh, I mean, but Spotify, you can only listen to the Renegades podcast or whatever they did uh, only on Spotify. So it's interesting for them to move on over. And that is the minute. Boom. Jesus. All right, let's go on to the next one. Uh, Apple 
and MLS, Major League Soccer, sign a 10-year deal for streaming games. So Apple's already gotten into the sports streaming world with these the acquisition of the baseball games. And now they're doing a 10-year deal with soccer. Soccer is, a, is the biggest sport in the world, MLS, Major League, I guess, football, people call it. And it is, this, this is a huge deal for them. This is a big deal for them because this is going to bring a, a more variety of uh, viewers to Apple TV Plus, and especially if they have good league streaming games. So you can have all the soccer in the world, but people are only going to watch the ones that they tend to stick with. Uh, now, that being said, I do th- believe Paramount Plus has a really big deal uh, with Major League Soccer. I don't, uh, but I, I see the soccer teams there all the time. I don't know who soccer teams are, but definitely it's big over there. Same thing for Peacock. It, it, this is, I wonder if Apple is international enough for this to be big or if it's going to be more of a homegrown thing until it gets international enough. But time will tell until we see. Or boom. Jesus. All right, keep going. Keep going. Uh, oh, no, I'm not going to do this one. One of them was Amazon Prime Video's most watched shows. And I. this is a story I truly don't know. But let's do it. Let me scan over it really quick and see exactly what we're talking about. Oh, there's a chart. There's a handy-dandy chart over here. Got another great title for this episode. Maybe I should just not name it Alyssa Limbers. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This episode's about her. Okay, ready? Here we go. Amazon's top viewed shows. Now, we know that streaming services do not put out their numbers. Netflix famously doesn't. And uh, and I heard Ben Stiller is a little frustrated uh, that he doesn't know how many people have watched Severance and uh, it, on, on Apple TV+. And Prime Video, uh, there's no exception there. But now, only when the shows get big or when the shows movies do something well, uh, they people will get the numbers released or comes with release numbers now hunters is one of their top shows upload season one is def is one of their top shows. excuse me one of their top shows but uh it's not as big as hunters which is the number oh oh okay series of episodes all right total minutes hunters upload the boys season two the wheel of time which is definitely something they put their money behind marvelous mrs Maisel season four reacher did the best out of everything in bosch season seven now they obviously have the show's to do this, but I think this they recently had a redesign, and I believe that this is going to help them in the long run. Uh, Prime Video, uh, if you're going to continue, if you want to, I know we're a little bit over time, but if you want to continue to get uh, more viewers, this redesign definitely helps, and I think that you have to be a little bit more out there uh, when it comes to your shows. If you're, the, I remember a couple of years ago, was it Peter Rice was looking for? Uh, no, it wasn't Peter Rice. Why am I looking at Peter Rice? <laughs> I'm sorry, I have a different story I'm talking about. I remember a couple of years ago, the guy who was in charge of the Prime Video stuff said that they wanted just more broad, bold, not bold, but broad things like the Game of Thrones. And and uh, Wheel of Time is definitely that, if anything. Uh, and Reacher is definitely that, if anything. So it, they're proving that point well, but I think shows like Upload, even though they don't do as well as shows like The Boys, they can definitely uh, branch out and to do weird things. Sorry, that's two minutes. That's my bad. Okay. Uh, these are in, actually, these are in, this is from June. Jesus, this next story is from June 28th. It is August 15th. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into ad-supported stuff as time goes on, as these as uh, these uh, one-minute things go on. But I do want to just go ahead and quickly cover this. Let me sign into Wall Street Journal. Why am I not signed in? And it says, waiting for it. Come on. All right. Who cares? And here we go. 
this is a change of strategy for Netflix. So we all we all know that Netflix. I just saying so. We all know that Netflix is uh, going to be introducing a uh, uh, an ad based uh, tier. AVOD is very important right now. There were a couple of years ago, people were you know always trying to avoid ads because they you know they drop cable and they and they would always go, hey, I'm only I'm only watching Netflix. I'm only watching Hulu. I don't want to watch any ads. Uh, Hulu with or you know Hulu with no ads. Uh, but now AVOD is proving to be the better thing because we have Disney Plus going to do it. We have everybody's doing AVOD because it's an easier way to get more money when, uh, and it's a cheaper way for uh, for you to subscribe to something. So it's kind of win win, but it's mostly win for the uh, for the for the streamers. And now uh, Netflix is basically becoming. Uh, it's 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 second tier, it's third tier compared to Disney Plus, HBO Max, and and, and others because uh, it has to pivot on this ad deal as well. We're over a minute, definitely. Uh, it has to pivot on this ad deal uh, thing, but then it also uh, in releasing these shows, uh, binge viewing has become its own its own captor. Whereas Only Murders in the Building is doing well week to week on Hulu because you have. 10 weeks or they do three episodes at one. Uh, they do three episodes when it first airs and then seven weeks after the fact. So when you do seven weeks of episodes versus you do, you're doing one day of episodes and dropping everything at once, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot because stranger things is going to taper off, but only murders in the building is going to do same thing for uh, break for a better call. Saul, even though it's a linear, uh, but it's on AMC plus. So you're still, you're going to get, people talking about it and it's a uh, it's a shame that netflix really is the binge model does not work for everything and and uh even the stuff even when they try to do weekly stuff with i know they have some korean television shows that come on uh weekly uh it it just it, it doesn't work because those shows just uh just they don't have the same draw as stranger things so it'd be it'd have been a good test for them to put out Stranger Things week to week, even though they did put out, I think the latest season in two batches, the batches were separated by a couple of weeks, but uh, it's the, their success is gone and, and uh, it, it'll be, it'll be a, a good pivot for them to, to get out of bench viewing. God, I gotta start. See, this is what happens when you say I'm gonna do one minute. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. So as we know, as we know, uh, in the in the past couple of weeks, HBO uh, David Zaslav has been uh, doing some tinkering over there at uh, HBO and HBO Max and Cartoon Network and the rest of the Turner uh, family, uh, as I still call it. But HBO Max is reevaluating its uh, European originals. They are going to stop doing a. It's not. A, a, they're going to stop doing a lot of uh, uh, purchasing. For the originals, um, I don't know if they're doing well, but they're trying. To, but I know for a fact that they're trying to cut four billion, three to four billion dollars from um, the uh, the wallet, as it's said. Uh, and it's you know European shows. We've got show. They have shows like uh, Kamikaze, Lust, The Informant, The Thaw, and Rux. And I I think that. You know, Max, Zaslav and Max as a whole are looking at the numbers of those shows and thinking that they're not doing super well. But, uh, you know, not every show is going to be Squid Game. Not every show is going to be uh, Squid Game over there on Netflix. Not every show is going to be um, what's a, you know, Hulu's got some some foreign shows. But I, I you know, I, I think it comes 
at a cost when you when you have to find an audience for these and when they find their audience the audience will stick with it uh and i mean it's like like the british shows when you have a british show like starstruck on hbo max uh that wasn't specifically made for hbo max it is a max original and it and it lives on max but uh it, it what it probably airs on bbc3 or something like that i don't know <laughs> same thing for uh, the great british baking show that was a pbs broadcasted show program as with an e as they say as they have and uh they and you just and you have to you have to find an audience for it and yeah i mean it does cost a lot of money spending on these but uh just uh and and you know it's hard like uh, the thing is that they want to find good shows and so that's going to be hard for you to understand if you don't buy the shows in the first place boom all right moving on so we're going, oh God, oh my God. Okay, so this is, these are the, these next three stories are all connected. Uh, Bob Chapek, Bob Chapek over at Disney fires uh, Peter Rice, who is a content exec over at Disney. Now, he was, Peter Rice uh, didn't do, uh, he was good at his job. Peter Rice is just, quite frankly, uh, just great at his job. He, this is, uh, he's, he's from the Britland Islands and uh, he, he helped, pull in uh, boost performances for movies such as Moulin Rouge and Slumdog Millionaire. And he is, he has been one of the better people uh, at Disney, especially in the past couple of years. We don't exactly understand why Chapek thought it best to let go of Peter Rice. Uh, and he was, uh, and he, he replaced him with Dana Walden, um, who is doing the same job. Uh, and uh, we don't know, and nothing has come of it since. Now, some of the answers have apparently started leaks. comes from the Hollywood Reporter version of the article. Uh, and sources are saying that there was, Rice was an outsider, and he didn't really fit in with everybody. And that, was, that doesn't really make sense, you know, because if anything, yeah, he hasn't been with the company for a long time, but Chapek, you came from the business side of the parks department. So you're not really, you're not really fitting in with the TV people. Uh, it just, it, I mean, it doesn't make sense for, for somebody to, to be, I think as a content chief, Peter Rice has been, uh, you know, above par. He helped bring in a lot of shows for, uh, for, uh, for the streaming platforms, for the linear stuff, and uh, that's not a, that's not a takeaway from Dana Walden because apparently she's brought in, she's helped uh, bring in Nat Geo's TV content strategy, and really helped with that, as well as uh, anyway, Rice is uh, Rice is gonna have to go somewhere, and and whatever company is gonna get him is gonna be uh, very lucky to have him because. Uh, he's uh, definitely somebody who could uh, pick and choose what shows would work for what platform. Boom. Okay. This next one is YouTube TV surpasses five million subscribers. Uh, this is big for the for the streaming TV world. Hulu Live TV and YouTube TV are two of the most popular ones. Uh, Sling is trash. I don't like Sling. I remember I, I had it when it was in beta form. That was great when I was in college to have like cable ish thing when I was living in an apartment anyway, because it was like the first time it ever happened. Anyway, uh, to have YouTube TV be the most popular streaming service is definitely 
uh, streaming service, the most popular streaming TV service, streaming linear TV service. Uh, definitely makes sense. It does have a a better platform than Hulu, and the the DVR thing is just what sends it over the top. They're both still sixty five dollars per month, which is insane. On top of the other streaming services, you don't have to have it, but uh, that's why I split it with somebody else. Anyway, and that's a uh, it's definitely helped me out <laughs> in the long run. Uh, I like YouTube TV. I'm glad that they're doing well, and I want to see where they go from here. I just want more features. I want 4K to be free rather than paying another $10 a month for it, and I do not pay for that because that's ridiculous. All right. Okay, here we go. We're talking about Netflix again with its ad deals. So Netflix is renegotiating its deals uh, with with the likes of Sony, with the likes of uh, Universal, the likes of Paramount, the likes of Warner, so that it can show ads on the sh- on the shows that it acquired from those from those providers uh, on its platform. So that means if they want to show ads with New Girl, for instance, which is uh, Fox Broadcasting, oh, although I do think uh, it, it was a Fox show, but does Disney own that now? Whatever. Okay. Let's pretend Fox Broadcasting still owns the rights to New Girl. Uh, let's and and uh, and if uh, if they wanted to show ads with uh, or if, excuse me, if Netflix wanted to show ads, if if Netflix wanted to include New Girl on the ad tier of Netflix, then they would have to go to Fox Broadcasting and say, "Hey, can we show ads on this show? Uh, we will give you a percentage of the money." And that's basically what that's dealing with. It's going to take a lot of negotiations because a lot of these shows, a lot of these, um, uh, everybody's going to want a cut of the pie. Everybody's going to want a slice of the pie while they also have their own slice. Warner Media, or excuse me, Warner Bros. Discovery already has an ad tier for uh, HBO Max. But if there's a show that's already on, that's also on Netflix as well, uh, then it's definitely going to get, like on Hulu, like there's, there's uh, Adventure Time. Adventure Time is on HBO Max, and then it's also on Hulu. If you have the Hulu with ads, then you're going to see an ad. No, it's a, that's a kids show. I shouldn't say a kids show because they don't have ads in front of kids shows. Um, well, not Friends. I don't know. Just whatever. Let's stick with the stick with the kid. The the Adventure Time analogy. And and so if there's an ad, there won't be because it's a kids show. But if there's an ad in front of the uh, Adventure Time episode, then Warner's going to get some of that uh, slice of that pie, even though it's all over there on uh, uh, HBO Max as well. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Hulu uh, growth is more than Disney Plus for the first time. Uh, even though Hulu seems to be the bastard stepchild over there uh, in the Disney in the Disney family, uh, especially the Disney streaming family, uh, Hulu is definitely finally catching up to what uh, what it what it should be. It should be ahead of Disney Plus. I don't I don't care. I know Disney Plus has the name of Disney Blood Disney Blood, uh, but they uh, Hulu is definitely the better platform because of what it offers. Um, we are seeing that uh, the the ad the price excuse me the prices for Disney Plus for Hulu. Uh, and for uh, ESPN Plus are going to go up by the end of October, I think, or later this year, uh, which which is going to suck and which we all knew was going to happen. When Disney Plus launched at, what, $7 per month, uh, people thought, this is the cheapest one. This is the cheapest one. And, uh, and now it's been two and a half, three, four years, and 
these prices, ESPN Plus is going to be ten bucks, and Disney Plus is going to be uh, ten dollars, or however much. I think it's going to be fifteen, something like that. Oh, the bundle is going to be like fifteen or seventeen dollars with ads or without ads. No, it's going to be twenty without ads. Yeah. Anyway, ridiculous. I uh, is it's just gonna. Uh, these, this is why I buy. This is people. People always question why I uh, collect Blu-rays and stuff. And I go, this is why, because, you know, I don't want to always. The only, I mean, the only thing is, again, for Disney Plus, the only thing I watch is uh, The Simpsons, uh, and uh, it stinks. <laughs> it stinks to have to now to only now to pay, you know, the entire bundle price so that I can watch The Simpsons on there, uh, even though I do record on YouTube TV. But I don't want to fast forward through ads, especially not at night when I'm like laying down. At, tired okay here we go final uh next uh, there's three more i promise marvel short changes comic book creators with uh movie payments when marvel makes a movie on uh starring uh, captain falcon <laughs> excuse me i'm sorry that's not his name that was so that was so rude the falcon uh and uh and the winter soldier and all these and, and the she-hulk and everything uh the people that should be paid you know, besides the actors, besides the producers, besides the director, besides the writer of the movie, the people that should be paid the most is the is the stakeholder of the creator of the character. And uh, this, the the artist who created uh, Black Widow, the writer Devin Grayson and artist J.G. Jones, uh, did not take home a lot of money when it came to uh, uh, to to Black Widow's. Uh, appearances they took they take home about five thousand dollars uh the money's just kind of lopped off imagine renting an apartment and they uh, uh and, and you're and you're nickel and dimes for everything well imagine creating a character now and uh and you're promised to be paid twenty five thousand dollars for each one of the appearances of the character only for it to be five thousand dollars and not to get an explanation, and, and this happens across Marvel, and uh, it's a shame that uh, that that they you you sign all of these contracts, these NDAs, and everything, and they say like you know if you watch if you watch uh, Harley Quinn on on HBO Max, and uh, and, and something happens, uh, listen, I gotta take a break. Hold on, we're gonna take a break, and then when we come back, we're gonna do this. Here we go. <laughs> All right, back from break. <laughs> Three, two, one. Hey, welcome back. True or false? I had to drop somebody off at the uh, hospital really quick. <laughs> True. As of uh, a strange call to receive at nine, whatever time it was, nine fifty. It only took about ten fifteen minutes, but uh, uh, I forgot to press stop recording on a lot of things. Nova jumped up in the chair, and today is still going strong. It's ten forty two. I've been awake since four a.m. Sometimes I look, like on Friday, on Fridays I go grocery shopping, and uh, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work out, not, not sometimes, I'll work out, I'll go for a run, which is typical for Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then I will uh, I'll go grocery shopping, and I'll do what I need to do, and then I'll, I'll sit down at my computer, it's like 10, 15, <laughs> and I go like, all right, time to do some work. And we've had summer Fridays for the past couple of, for the summer. And uh, so usually if I'm done around one and no one needs me, then I can log off, uh, which is great. So we're talking about Marvel movies and how comic book creators don't get paid. That's basically the, essentially the brunt of it. But 
There is another thing I also want to mention is that there's uh, like Sebastian Stan's Winter Soldier is if uh, if the character does a cameo and they uh, which technically Sebastian Stan's Winter Soldier does a cameo in Civil War because he only appears in 22 minutes of the movie, even though he's the major factor of the movie. Uh, And same thing for Captain America. And Avengers Infinity War, even though he's a main character, he appeared for less than seven minutes and 30 seconds. That uh, cameos really truncate how much you get paid. So uh, people think Marvel's the greatest thing in the world. It it truly is not. Uh, This is something I want to... Oh, hold on. All right, hold on. I definitely have to pull up this clock. All right, so this is... We're going back to the minute-long thing. This is something I want to dig in more to... uh, Dig more into later, but... Uh, this is written by, this is, uh, you'll see who's written by, Casey Newton. Uh, but he writes about how, why Medium uh, didn't do exactly what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to be this blog space where um, people could basically f- write and freeform and, and do everything they needed to do. But we have, now we have new places that are doing it better. Um, it's basically, essentially a news a newsletter platform. But when you have things like Substack coming out and, and other places uh, where people can get paid uh, a little bit easier than uh, what? Oh well, my 145 has been removed. <laughs> I guess when meetings get canceled, it's always the it's always something interesting. So, uh, which means it opens up my day, <laughs> uh, and uh, it's 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 hard for uh, freelancers to make money. And so, Medium was for a, Nova's fully sniffing my arm. Uh, so medium was a place for people to make money and, uh, and, and it just failed compared to, uh, Substack and even sub, Hey, no ma'am. And even Substack, uh, failed, um, uh, in, in, in that regards. And, and there's still struggles that are coming along and, and medium, medium can obviously find a new, a new ground to pull off of, to stand on top of, but, uh, there's that. All right, let's move on to the last of the bulk of, of the things that I actually have stories to cover. Uh, Wall Street Journal, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, the super app is, uh, is, is something that uh, is struggling and how it's not taking off in America. So uh, across, across the pond in different, in different nations and different countries, there are app like there's basically like one app to do everything. So uh, if you want to shop, you know, Alibaba is, is essentially where you're going to go to do all your shopping. Uh, but that does not, does not cut on in America where there's one app to do one thing. If you want to listen to music, you know, you'll listen to, uh, uh, Apple music or YouTube music. Uh, if you want to, I didn't say Spotify for a reason. Uh, if you want to, if you want to, um, uh, uh, you know, buy stuff, you'll buy Amazon, you'll, you'll go to Amazon prime and just buy stuff. But if you want to watch stuff, you go to prime video and watch stuff. There are apps that are trying to be super apps, and they're just not really working. Uber, for instance, they want it to be the place where you can uh, to to go to get car rides, to give car rides, to buy food and stuff. Spotify, they want it to be the place to listen to music, listen to podcasts, and maybe eventually at some point listen, uh, watch uh, music videos. PayPal, Snap, they all want to be the one thing, but. It's it's difficult because those aren't taking off in America. And then there's also you have to when when you're in America, you have to pay for uh, on the Apple Store. You got to pay on the Google Play Store. You got to it's for to if you if people subscribe and do stuff. So 
Um, these companies are still going to continue doing trying to be the one app for everything. The Facebook app essentially is, you know, you can buy stuff. There's some small games. There's dating parts. There's podcasts. But uh, I don't think people really want. I don't. I don't think people as a whole really want one app to do everything. So, all right, let's do this before I have this meeting. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> okay, so now these stories, I can free will as long as I want until uh, 11 o'clock. <laughs> uh, there is a movie called Fall that this comes from The Verge written by John Porter that uh, is, I guess, like a free climb movie or, or something. But they, it is, it, is a, it was a low-budget movie and it had to uh, use AI technology to take out a bunch of F-bombs that were left within, not in the script, but from the actresses uh, due to, like, them having to do, like, rebelling and stuff like that. Uh, If you haven't seen the trailer, it's it's a movie starring a couple of pretty ladies where they jump off of a thing and they're stuck on top of a thing. And, uh, it's, you know, it's just it's just one of those indie films. Um, but there's a lot, there were obviously points where, it, since it was a cheap movie and you can only you can only do, you know, so much with CGI stuff, they had to do this stuff for real. And uh, they couldn't reshoot things. So them repelling off of something and the actresses, you know, out loud going F, 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 F. And then uh, the, uh, they, that would be done in post. The changing of the F word would be done in post to, like, screaming or whatever. They're, they used AI. In order to do this, uh, do not sniff my arm and do not attempt to bite me again. Uh, and I think that's a really uh, interesting thing because this has been done before in other movies, but now this is uh, this is going to become more widespread. It's basically ADR, but for for you know digital ADR, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, moving on to the final stories, uh, Axios sold to Cox. Uh, enterprises for $525 million and Reductress sold to uh, Phenomenal Media media rather for an undisclosed amount. Uh, re- uh, these are both smaller publications and in fact Axios uh, really came to prominence by being a, uh, a Washington publication that um, uh, really solidified like good Good down the middle reporting of uh, of news, and unfortunately, with this sale, there is uh, something that can be 